Hello and welcome to episode 19 of Prog Notes. My name is Destin. And I'm Drew. And today we are listening to Shrine of New Generation Slaves by Riverside. Uh, if you've never listened to our show, we educate and hopefully inspire our listeners to uncover and learn about progressive rock by listening and talking about albums that you may have never heard of or want to learn more about. We, Before we get started, thank you to all of our listeners returning back to the show. Please subscribe to the podcast. You can always be notified when we launch a new episode. Uh, Shrine of New Generation Slaves is the fifth studio album by the Polish progressive rock band Riverside. This is the first Polish band we found on the show, Drew. Isn't that cool? That is cool. Yeah. Um, the album was released January 18th, 2013. Um, the album is also uh, otherwise known as the acronym SONGS, uh, Shrine of New Generation Slaves. Um, and we'll, we'll probably come back to that uh, in, in the future. Uh, the members of... Riverside. I'm going to try my best to pronounce these Polish names. Do you know any you know Polish pronunciation, Drew? No, I, I might no, have okay. a, a little bit of, of a leg up on you because I know Russian, though, but they're not the, the same. Okay, well, if I need a leg, I'll ask you. Um, okay, well, okay. Is that a thing? Can it's you ask? A, it's, it's not, not a, a thing you can ask it's for. It's not a thing. Destiny, hey, give me a, a leg. Thing. Give me a leg. Dude, Shoot. I got a leg up on you. I'm going to give you this I got leg. a leg up on you. Here, can I have your leg? Dude, give me... Okay. I was gonna keep going, right, and then no. <laughs> no, trailing. We're just trailing. Okay, so the members of Riverside is uh, Mariusz Duda. Again, I apologize if I pronounce these incorrectly, uh, but this is this is the best I could find. Mariusz Duda, who is the uh, the lead vocalist, also plays bass guitar and also provides some backing guitars um, here and there. Uh, Mikal Wapaj is the keyboard player who also provides backing vocals. Uh, on this record, uh, is Peter uh, Gruginski, who is the guitar player on this record, who uh, actually unfortunately passed away back in 2016, um, uh, unsuspectedly passed away. And uh, and then the drummer and percussion is provided by Peter Kozhiradsky. So, um, is it Peter or, or Piotr? Probably. I mean, I know the English translation is Peter, um, and I, Piotr <laughs> might be correct, but Piotr. Anyway. Piotr, Piotr, Piotr. Okay, yeah, I'm just, you just do it. Yeah, that's the correct pronunciation. Okay, I think. Well, I so, think I think I looked up the the lineup too. You know it better than I do. I I, I look up the other facts on stuff and whatever. But I try I think, my best. Well, well, and you do a great job. You do a great Thank job. Thank you. And and one thing I did realize as well as I think uh, since the guitar pa- guitar player plast- passed away, excuse me, in 2016, I don't think that they've actually replaced him as a part of the member of the band. So I think they are now just a trio. Um, in live, they per- they have somebody else that plays guitar with them, but I think Riverside now, currently, is just a trio, um, which you don't see many of those. Besides, wait, 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 they're you know, a trio? I thought, wait, I thought they had five. The gu- oh, no, they had four no, 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 there's for a four, while. There was four, there was four gotcha. for the longest time. Um, and then when the guitar player died in 2016, I don't think they replaced him with a another gotcha, permanent gotcha. member. They do have a live guy who comes plays with them, but I think they've they've stuck as a trio. And I think they just released their latest album called Wasteland, which is, I believe, their first record since the death of their guitar player. Oh, wow. I have yet to listen to it. But um, but with this album, though, what what is what were the uh, before we get into our own opinions about it? What what was uh, some of the take on um, what the public saw or some of the critics saw on this record? What what do they have to say? Um, so. It, it, they're they're not as big in the U.S. It's not, yeah. I mean, it's like with a lot of progressive rock bands, especially modern day progressive rock bands, and they're not as big in the U.S. as you know they are in places like Europe or even well, they're Polish, so even in, in Western and a little bit of Eastern Europe. So in their own country, in Poland, they reach number two in the charts. In Germany, they reach number thirty-three. And um, in the Netherlands, the Dutch charts, it was uh, number 28. Um, hmm. So, um, I mean, you know, like I said, it's, it's like, you know, like, yes, and Genesis, they had enough of a draw in America where they were able to do American tours, and they were pretty big in America. Um, okay. But, uh, you know, that was at kind of the birth of progressive rock. Um, and as it kind of went on, progressive rock kind of died out at least a little bit in the u.s i feel i mean you know that's we've seen that with our own band where we kind of marketed ourselves as a progressive rock band and the reception was much more 
um, well, I would just say active. I, w- I wouldn't say necessarily good, though it was, but uh, much more active in Europe than it was uh, here, even in the States. We tried to market it here and it wasn't, I mean, you know, it was, people are yeah. just more enthusiastic over there. They're more willing to listen and sit down to listen to a piece of art. Um, yeah, I think it's just the uh, the the culture of music in, in the different countries. Uh, you know, being in the United States, it's very... Um, uh, I'm, I'm trying not to criticize here and because it's, I'm not saying that it's bad, but, uh, it's just more, uh, factory. I, I would, I would say, you know, it's, it's kind of like, it's just single singles are very popular albums are not extremely popular anymore. You know, it's just popping out the next single, put it on the radio, popping out the next single, put it on the radio. Yeah. Um, and so it's a, um, it, yeah, it's just kind of, it's factory feeding people music through the radio and media and stuff like that. Right. Um, otherwise um, over in, in a diff- other countries, it's a little bit different. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah, that's, that's what I've, I've seen. Um, at least personally, so you're saying it didn't chart in the United States. Oh no, no, not that I found. Yeah, no. Um, okay. but, uh, so yeah, it was, it was in Poland, Germany and the Netherlands. Um, so, uh, it did, it did fairly well there. And the reviews though, when I looked up online, just various places, um, that had reviewed the album. It was mixed. It was a mixed bag. For the most part, I think people liked it. Um, I, yeah. You know, it's like with most any, you're always going to get some negative and you're always going to get, well, hopefully you'll get some positive. Um, I think anyone listening to this can realize that the production is, is, is you know, great on it, right? Uh, the mix is amazing. Yeah, I would agree. The, yeah. um, the compositions themselves are pretty strong. Um, I, I really liked that. Um, before I go into our, our opinions on that, um, I will go ahead and just say what some other people had thought. So mm-hmm. I, let's start with the bad first so that we can end on a good note. Uh, okay. metal heads, people who really like metal music, which Riverside kind of marketed themselves as for a little bit from the limited amount of research that I had done on them. I found that they initially started out a bit more melancholic, a bit more atmospheric that was reflective of um, Pink Floyd or maybe Porcupine Tree. Um, And then they kind of got a bit heavier. And this album's not as heavy. It's heavy. It's rock. There's definitely some, you know, you know, irrefutable like (laughs) moments of very raucous parts in there. Um, Some that might even say metal, but it wasn't overdone. Uh, This album, I think is much more atmospheric. I think you can hear that. And I think some people who were metal heads didn't think they were pushing the envelope enough. I'll I'll go ahead and read some excerpts here. Someone on metalarchives.com said it wasn't really uh, sorry, wasn't very progressive and that it was very predictable. They said the problem is while Duda, who is the lead singer and the bassist clearly wants Mm -hmm. to go for something different. He is clearly still writing in the same vein as the old Riverside, accepting everything that made the old Riverside good in the first place. There are additions and these chiefly show up in the last few tracks. For example, the excellent jazzy sounding break in deprived, uh, with a rather unexpected saxophone solo surprise solo surprises, um, such as these are admittedly sparse, and if there's anything the album is, it's formulaic. The very antithesis of the word progressive and Riverside's, um, I don't even, imprimatur? <laughs> uh, you could probably foresee every verse, chorus, or bridge, despite convoluted song lengths. These, uh, there's really very little going on here. Um, songs fuse, structures collapse, and the whole album ends up turning into this endless void for the listener. When it does sound good, it's usually more akin to the Riverside of old, just neutered and thereby, and thereby uh, that much less effective. So that was a user on a forum from a metal site, and uh, I, I interesting. I, I, I wonder someone, what they, what kind of music they actually like. Well, again, this is a metal website, so I took it as being a bit biased. Um, reading from a couple of other reviews that had said they kind of went towards more heavier sound, and maybe the fans that they collected that were into metal didn't like this one as much because it wasn't as hard. It yeah. wasn't as in your face. Um, but there were some other people who really enjoyed it. Um, it got a, I think that person on the metal gave it like a 60 something out of a hundred percent. Right. So didn't okay. really like it that much. Um, wow. others liked it. It got a four out of five on Sputnik, Sputnik music. 
Um, okay. They really enjoyed that it was a return to an older sound. Uh, someone on there had said, a reviewer on there said, it'd be fair to say that Shrine of New Generation Slaves is the return to roots album of Riverside's discography. After Second Life Syndrome, the band had been pushing a heavier direction with each album, and this unfortunately produced rather hit-and-miss results. They never made any serious missteps, and both follow-up albums were still enjoyable, but the decline in quality was evident due to the downplaying of the melancholic atmosphere that made the band sound so great in the first place uh, in favor of a more up-tempo and aggressive sound. So those people liked that it was a return. Uh, I really enjoyed, there was another reviewer who really enjoyed it, um, they gave it a nine out of 10 and they had reviewed a couple of other Riverside's records. Okay. Um, and they really enjoyed that. It was, it was a, a return to their older sound. Um, I think he said it just didn't sound like them, not the, not this album, but their previous albums right before this, that were a bit more raucous, a bit more, a bit heavier, mm-hmm. um, and kind of in your face. He was like, this just didn't really sound like them. And I'm glad that this record kind of made it seem and they seem more authentic to themselves and truer to themselves with this record. And he really mm. appreciated that. Um, he said the depth of self delusion, which is the second song on the album hit me yes. with full force. And I had my first, Oh my God moment in years with the band. What a stupidly beautiful song. I love how he describes that. Um, <laughs> yeah. As a bonus, it is nicely devoid of this needless metal, which Riverside should never rely on again. So he was very happy. What is that? Yeah. Mean? Uh, well, again, again, it just is saying it was so, you know, metal inspired metal with the previous records yeah, and, with yeah. the previous records. So almost, he was happy. labeled. Yeah, exactly. So okay. he was happy that, you know, this one wasn't, you know, relying on some metal thing that didn't really sound like them. Right. Hmm. Um, the band's trademark emotion pierces through that song with conviction with some sweet keyboards and some terrific guitar playing. That song makes me want to melt. Um, hmm. That's so cool. anyways, uh, someone else on a, another site called bloody disgusting, gave it a 4.5 out of five. So they really enjoyed it as well. Uh, they said the thing that I noticed, sorry, that I noticed with this album is that as each track progresses, there are more styles and influences. There's jazz, hard rock, classic prog rock, modern prog rock, metal, and more from moments of intensity to sheer beauty to seductive smoothness. This album ebbs and flows with the greatest of ease from one style to another. Serious props need to be given to the vocalist slash bassist. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce it either, Destin. Mariusz. 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 Mariusz, thank you. Mariusz Duda for being so dynamic and creative with the bass. He shifts from using the bass as a lead instrument to diving back into the pocket with such effortlessness that it's mind-boggling. And before we get into my personal thoughts, I just want to say that I'm definitely going to follow up on that comment because that's something I definitely agree with. Mm-hmm. So, As a bass anyways. Player. Yes. I mean, the bass is always something that I'm looking for in of prog course. rock music yeah, because absolutely. prog rock changed what it, what, you know, the bass could be in a band. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, sorry. So I know that was a lot, but I just thought I'd give kind of an overall thing. I found more good than bad, but the bad that yeah. I did fi- find seemed to be coming from people on, I mean, on a website called metal archives, people who are expecting or really enjoying something from, you know, the, metal rock you know and the modern prog metal which has come to dominate prog rock in the last what 20 years probably probably so yeah i think ever so, since kind of the dream theater movement sort of taking mm-hmm. things into a, yeah. a massive metal direction right um, exactly and, and people right. starting to use that sound a little bit more porky pine tree did it you know when mm-hmm. when uh when we did that record when they did their in, in absentia record which we've right already no you're right on. but yeah, but like he's like, he, and we I think we mentioned on that record uh, on on that episode before that they're a lot chiller, right? They're a lot more Pink Floydian, right? Yeah, yeah. Are you talking about this? Are you talking about this album? Porky Pine Tree. Oh, Porky I'm talking about Porky Pine Tree. Oh, yes, yes, yes. When, yes. And, and, and so before in Absentia, yeah, yes, absolutely. So yeah, um, and really, I I can't think of many notable prog groups in the '90s. I mean, Rush was still going. Of course, yep. they took their hiatus in the middle of that they came out with test reco in 96 yeah um i mean if anyone 2002 so yeah people who are listening who really enjoy prog if you want to give us some 90s bands that kind of really made their stride with progressive rock in the 90s that would be awesome because i don't know of many yeah i don't know of any to me i think of the 90s i don't think anything going on with prog really again besides maybe a couple of already pre-established bands like rush um or you know porcupine tree was doing their thing um 
but if anyone knows of anything else, that'd be cool. Um, yeah. I don't know when Fox Beard was around. I know I've heard of that group. Um, may- maybe they were nineties, yeah, maybe not. They're an American group, I think, aren't they? Yeah, uh, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. That's a that's a band that we should probably do on the show. Yeah, so, we we, um, should, we should look into that definitely. But anyways, um, so I have a quote so, here from I have a quote yeah. here from Mariusz on on the record. Um, okay, yeah, I got one too. I got one too. I was gonna say no, you later, but I got one too. Uh, yeah, okay. yeah, I got one. Okay, okay. All right, I'll, I'll let you go. For, I'll let you go first. I've been talking a while. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna take I'm gonna go ahead and and say mine. Well, it's not mine. It's Mariusz's. Mariusz's. <laughs> that just sounds weird. That's funny. So, uh, so we heard, we heard from like what the public said, uh, and the critics and stuff like that. Here's what, here's what he has to say. The lead singer and the bass player of Riverside. He says, uh, quote with shrine of new generation slaves, I started to produce us and not just in the rehearsal room. I wanted to open the window and let the air come in to refresh something in our arrangements. And I really wanted to get rid of unnecessary things. I based it all on songs because shrine of new generation slaves is an acronym for songs. And I wanted to focus on melodies. I wanted to bring back our melodies that disappeared a bit on rapid eye movement and an Anami high, de- high definition, uh, which are two two of their previous records. Um, and uh, end quote from that point. So uh, with some of the other people that they were saying, uh, I think they were agreeing with what uh, Mariusz intention was for the record on, on some of the reviews that I heard. I mean, they were saying it's like, you know, it, se- it sounded fresh. It sounded more them. And, uh, and, and it seems like that's what they were trying to go for. They were trying to go for just something refreshing and new, um, and get rid of, I, I love that quote, just wanted to get rid of unnecessary things. Um, yeah. which yeah. I find, I find interesting. It's just kind of like, let's just do whatever the heck we want to do sort of thing. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. Also just really fun tidbit. I don't know if you caught this, but the, their album, uh, I don't know how to pronounce it. Anno Domini High Definition. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, ADHD, and, the yeah. acronym for that. So, um, and uh, I think on the, one of the reviews I saw, it was very heavy. Uh, they said that it was a very heavy, you know, pr- uh, metal-ish inspired album. Yeah. And it, which, you know, which is kind of funny that the title is ADHD because, you know, yeah. that just fit really well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, Sorry, I really enjoy the opening track. I think it's fantastic. Yes, me um, too. Which is this is the song that we're uh, the song that we're listening to right now is the opening track called "New Generation Slave." Um, there's eight songs in the album. Um, we have uh, one of one of them which uh, goes over the ten minute mark. There, it's called "Escalator Shrine." It sits at twelve minutes and forty one seconds. Um, but the other songs in the record are uh, not crazy in length. I mean, they're, they're they're not crazy, but they're long for the average listener. Yeah, even the short-ish songs, besides Coda, which is kind of just a, a small little thing at the end. Yeah, even the short-ish songs are, I think, four, five minutes. Four. No, the, the shortest one on the album is "New Generation Slave" and "We Got Used to Us," which are which are both four minutes long. But every oh, all okay. the other ones are five, six, seven, eight minutes long. Um, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. I guess in the prog world, that's that's not that's not crazy. Um, but yeah, I guess to an average listener, they, they, they could be pretty long songs. But um, yeah. yeah, this is the opening track. I think it's a, I think it's a great opener. Yeah, I do too. Um, do we want to dive into what we thought? Yeah. Destin, do you want to hear my thoughts on yeah, this? Yeah, I, I, I do. You're, you're more familiar with this. Yeah, you was... had been listening to this band for years. I remember yep. you. This was sim- This is kind of a similar experience as Porcupine Tree. You had listened to them for years and years and years, and yeah. now we're doing this episode. Now, you know, this is the first time I had heard it. Yeah, yeah, that was the same with the. With, yeah, you're right with the Porcupine Tree episode. I've been this. I've been listening to this album for, um, gosh, uh, I think I found it in 2015. So like, four, right. like 40 years, and so I've heard. I've heard this album many many a times i love it um so just just disclaimer there uh i love this album i can i can speak to why i do um but yeah i'd like to hear your opinions coming in from a a fresh listener um just because you probably haven't heard it as much as i have Um, no no though i did i did listen to it quite a few times in preparation for this yeah so Um, what what did you think what was what was the biggest thing that either stuck out to you or uh enjoyed or disliked the most what was what was kind of your take on it well i'll just say my first impressions the first impression was it was a pretty dark album um it just yeah i would say dark and atmosphere were the two words that came to my mind which reminded me a lot of pink floyd and honestly a lot of porcupine tree yeah. At first, 
I heard a little too much Porcupine Tree. I didn't think they were independent enough from them, but upon multiple listens, that, that definitely changed. They, they definitely have their own identity. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. Uh, I, I enjoyed this a lot more as I kept listening to it over and over. Um, this, um, this, what? I'm just going to read some of the notes I wrote down. Okay. How about that? Yeah, do that. That's why we have these notes on a show called Frog Notes. God bless. So, <laughs> I said, for me, these guys have the perfect amount of rock energy. The distorted guitars are powerful, but they don't overshadow any of the other instruments, and they add to the whole composition. They serve the song well. I like the balance between the softer sections and the really hard rock parts a lot. Part of that is because they have brilliant transitions. So I think that was one thing that was really notable to me as well, which is weird. Um, again, I'll, I'll just keep going. I, yeah. I wrote down a couple of notes for this, this record. Um, I said the transitions in this album are absolutely spectacular. What's weird is that you shouldn't notice a transition. The song should flow well. I think the reason I noticed it on this record is because the sections are fairly different, going from very soft parts with the mellow bass, lilting vocals, and haunting piano chords to intense, awesome rock riffs. Yeah. I really noticed how excellent the transitions were on Escalator Shine, uh, Shrine in particular. Um, that song had so many has so many different moods, riffs, and sections. And what's amazing is that those transitions fit the song super, super well. Mm -hmm. There was never a moment where I said, "Whoa, that part just kind of ended." And which is that can happen a lot in prog rock. That happens with our music. I'll listen to our music, and you know, I, I think like a lot of other artists, you can always think looking back that could have been improved, that should have been better, yeah. you should have composed this better, et cetera, et cetera. Well. Um, I, I hear that honestly, even every now and then with bands that I love, I'm like, that's awesome. That transition just kind of ended though. And now it's just this different section. That's a, a staple of prog rock is moving from various sections. Yeah. And a lot of times it's not like those sections independently are awesome and they're really cool. Yeah. But it's like, how do we get from A to B? It's how do we get from section A to section B without it sounding jarring? And sometimes even my favorite bands don't do it very well. It's just kind of like, well, into that section, next into the next one. And because I love those sections independently, I, I, I'm i like, oh, this is still cool and a great song. But if you really stand back and look at it, you're thinking, mm, composition-wise, there could have been a better way to glue those sections together to make it a smoother segue. Yeah, um, yeah. This album's fantastic with the transitions. Yeah, they I are agree. like the points A and B are pretty different from each other, but getting from A to B is super, super smooth. Yeah, and you just don't see that a lot of the time. Yes, yeah. uh, especially with prog rock. So yeah, you know, hats off to them. Yeah, and that, that just um, shows that just shows maturity in a, uh, a, a from a songwriting uh, from a songwriting perspective. That I, I, I was as, as you were talking about that, the first thing that comes to my mind. Uh, was public speaking and um it's it's very yes. it's very yeah. easy to have a thought and continue to start and continue to talk one of the hardest things to do in public speaking is to end a thought what people do is they go back and they start re referencing and they start repeating themselves over and over and over again because they do not know how to end a thought and move on to the next thought you know what i mean yeah and so uh yeah. it's the exact same it's the exact same thing it should it's you know the maturity and the experience of a uh, of a good public speaker knows how to end a thought and move into a different thought very smoothly and without it being awkward. And in music, it's the exact same thing. I agree with you. There's a lot of bands that are like that too, that it's like they don't end their, uh, or they don't have good transitions between their sections. And, and progressive rock, you, I don't know if, I mean, you could probably argue with this, but it's, it's uh, a lot of the time it's very section oriented um, because of just the, the way that the, the music flows. It's not very structured. It's just sort of, section 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 um not just you know verse chorus bridge chorus right. outro sort of thing so right 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 um so yeah i definitely like this album a lot by by the end uh well i say the end but, but you know upon several listens in i was like i was very hooked and the reviewer who also praised them for kind of going back to their roots i guess a couple of them kind of did but the one i was referencing was the one on uh uh, I don't think I credited it earlier. The one that gave him a nine out of ten uh, was from a, a, a site called My Global Mind, uh, and the, the reviewer's name is Chris O'Claire. Um, and he talked about how much he loved Duda's voice, and he was like, "That is a focal point. That is a focal point for me with the band. That's why I loved them from the beginning." Yeah, and 
even throughout all of their heavy metal stuff, which I wasn't a huge fan of, his voice was still amazing and it's iconic to the group. And I loved that. Uh, I have to agree with him here. Um, it is, he's a very, is a pleasant, he has a very pleasant voice. He does. Yeah. It's very um, accessible. Uh, it's, it's just, it's, uh, it's very easy to listen to, I guess. Um, it's, well, it is, but he also has a lot of character to it when he wants to as yes. well. It can be very lilting and beautiful yeah. at times. And then at other times he can, you know, uh, celebrity touch, right? There are some moments in there, if I'm not mistaken, where he kind of does kind of a, a little scream yeah. Yeah, every now and then. Twice. Is that, is yep. that the song? Yeah, right. yeah, it's on celebrity touch, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't like screamo. I'm not a huge fan of metal in general, personally. But uh, every now and then, if it's used sparingly, a little shriek can be good. It can be great. Yeah. And they they use that the perfect amount on on something like Celebrity Touch and yeah. everything. But yeah, his voice is very chill, and but it still has a lot of character and a lot of energy to it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like you said, it's very accessible. Um, it's it's a it's a good voice. So hats off to Duda. Uh, yeah, yeah, fantastic. I, I like it a lot. I have to say that's one of my favorite parts of yeah, it as well. I, I like it a lot too. I, I think it. I and I would agree with him and you on that. Uh, is because in certain songs like uh, uh, We Got Used to Us, which is a um, kind of the uh, just, you know, with the intro of that song with the piano, it's a very it's a very light song to begin with. Um, and his, his the vocals match that and he can also get really dirty with it as well and in certain parts. So he he has uh, good expression. Uh, it, mm-hmm. it would, you know, I would say on, on a lot of the songs in the album where he, he just uses his voice in different ways. Uh, to fit the album and i like it too it's i like it a lot because um it, it for me personally like it fits my range so it's easy to actually sing along to especially some of the right. melodies too Dude, some of the the vocal melodies are really good like they're pretty catchy they're, yeah they're pretty catchy they are they're they're very catchy they're they fit the song well they don't overshadow any yeah this is a very balanced album and uh, that's a good thing you know uh, i know maybe people on the metal archives don't agree maybe it being too balanced is too tame it's not progressive enough uh but i have to posit this when we're, we're entering into that discussion of progressive rock music uh, also let's okay let's talk about progressive rock versus good music yeah right I mean, that's obviously subjective. Good is obviously subjective, but just because it's incredibly progressive doesn't mean it's good, yeah. right? There has to be a balance to it. And that's actually kind of a life philosophy to me that I kind of apply to yeah, all health and balance. Balance is, is key. Um, this is a balanced record in the best possible way. It has a lot of energy. It has a lot of dynamics. There's a lot of different moods. I think that's what kind of makes it progressive. Oh, I love that too. Um, yeah, the, mo- the different and- moods of it make it really really right. interesting and it's very throughout the entire yeah, it's very, length of the record well yeah and it's very riff oriented too yes so that is a common thing in progressive rock so i don't i don't think there's any debate that this is a progressive rock record almost that, definitely. there are just a lot of elements here there are virtuosic elements the bass is highlighted more um there are some really awesome solos in there there are longer songs it's a bit conceptual i'll get into that a little bit more later this is definitely progressive rock maybe it's not progressive enough for some people obviously sure as, as i mentioned but um, it's balanced in a great way. The vocals sound amazing. The atmospheric guitars add a tapestry to it that the, the song would feel naked without them. So the guitars are, are absolutely crucial to this. The little key solos that they have in there add a lot of flavor to it. The drums aren't incredibly difficult, no. but they add that sense of rock music. Yeah. They are they are energetic, yeah. right? Uh, but they fit they fit the slower parts too. It's a, it's a very balanced record but still maintains a progressive feel to it i think that's fantastic yeah that that's what a progressive rock album should be you can quote me on that shoot holy cow shoot this is what a progressive rock record should be riverside if you're listening go ahead and put that on your website go ahead and put that little quote there oh drew brown podcaster brought frog notes gosh that's pretty busted man i'm the worst but but anyway who can disagree no i'm kidding I, oh shit! I know. <laughs> Gosh, <laughs> I hate us. Okay. Oh man. Um, but no, I, no I, yeah. I would, I would have to agree. Everything that you just said, I 100% agree with. And I just, and in terms of the bass, I want to go back. What you were talking about the bass, because I had a thought there. The what I love about, and 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 the thing is, is in my when I was listening to music back in 2014, 
2014 was when I really started getting into uh, Stephen Wilson and Porcupine Tree, which then led to Riverside. I found Riverside actually um, on a... Dude, this is crazy. I don't know if I even told you this. I found the first song I ever heard by Riverside was Deprived, and which is on, the, oh, on this album. It's really good. Oh, yeah. And, I, and obviously, when I first heard it, I loved it. And the story is, is that I was listening to, I was so pumped because in 2014, we released our first record, Constellation Plus, and we finally got it on Pandora. And I was stoked. So what did I do? I went on Pandora and typed in Arcane Atlas Radio. Guess what? Deprived came on Arcane Atlas Radio. Our band. I'm flattered. Our band. I'm flattered. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. <laughs> but I was like, That's a, uh, yeah. yeah, so, uh, you know basically props to Pandora to uh, introducing Riverside to me. That's how I found this band and a song. But at the time I was listening to a lot of Porcupine Tree. But what I was listening to a lot of before that was a lot of Rush and Genesis and stuff that was, um, right. that had, uh, and yes, a lot of like monster bass players. And that was one right. thing I didn't get from Porcupine Tree. And it's not, it's not their thing. It's just not their thing. They don't have really right, right, right. snappy uh, sharp sounding bass and and some of the crazy riffs and the rhythms and stuff like that. That was the first thing that I found because it sounded, you know, the vocals were kind of similar in terms of tone, but the bass was the first thing that stood out to me from like the difference between Riverside and Porcupine Tree. It snapped, like the bass snapped out of the mix and it leads some of the riffs throughout the album, which is awesome. And I love that. And I love that Mariusz mixes it up a bit. That was the first thing that I noticed. Yeah. And um, which... You just, I, I can't get enough of the bass on the album. I love it. It's its yeah. really good. Also, I love the guitar at this part in the song. Yep. To me, this is the best part of the song. Oh, yeah. Because the guitar solo right here. Yeah. Gosh. And the guitar player. They're all amazing. But the guitar player yeah. is, I'm, yeah. I'm going to go out on a limb here, okay? Oof. The guitar player is, an, and he's, he's incredible. Here's, here's why I love him. He's one of the smoothest progressive rock guitar player. I'm so sad that he passed away. He's yeah. one of the smoothest progressive rock guitar players I've heard in in the modern the modern progressive rock world. He's not showy. He was never he's never showy or intense, but the parts to me at least seem extremely well thought out and intentional. He is there's a great use of different pedals and effects, arpeggios, acoustic and electric guitars. He has the metal riffs and some of the you know the hooks and stuff like that. He is honestly the closest thing to Alex Lifeson I've heard in a while. Um, this guy is the closest thing to Alex Lifeson, and Alex Lifeson is to me, you know, the guitar player from Rush, just the pinnacle of prog progressive rock guitar. Other people can argue, I love him. As a writer, wow. The only thing that I, the only thing I think Lifeson has over uh, Grigensky is that Grigensky, right? Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, Grig I, I, or I Gr yeah, Grigensky. I think um, the only thing he had over him is I think just uh, Lifeson's solos um, were just catchier um, and, a, and a little bit more right. memorable. But this guy has amazing, like, really, really good solos throughout the album. But right. it's just the texture of the what he puts down is, it's just super enjoyable. Really enjoyable yeah. to listen to. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I, I wanted to circle back to what you are saying about the bass, because that's a big thing mm -hmm. for me as a bass player. Uh, you had mentioned this to me actually before. We talked a little bit about this record uh, before doing the show. Mm -hmm. um, and I agree. This, this is... This really highlights the bass. It's the return of active, engaging, and prominent bass parts in prog music. Back, uh, I mean, well, sorry, bass takes a back seat uh, a lot of the times, especially in modern prog music, because metal music just kind of has the bass and distorted, distorted guitar play the same thing a lot of the time. Seems yeah, like that way to me. Take up the low um, end. And even if it's fast or complicated, you know, because there are some amazing bass players in some metal groups. I don't want to totally um, just dog on... Um, metal music even though it's not my thing um it you know it takes an incredible amount of talent to play some of these parts in a lot of metal music that i've heard uh but at the same time it doesn't feel like that bass has any real substance it seems mm -hmm. like all sizzle and no steak a lot of the time to me uh, i like steak but not well it's okay for me i if i'm gonna have beef i'd rather have a burger just to be totally honest but that's me what about a bacon cheeseburger yeah like absolutely like that okay. yeah i mean yeah Duh. Okay. Yeah. I'll just. Okay. Anyway. I mean, it depends on where it's from, but yes. Um. But I get that. But, five Guys. Yeah, dude, I love Five Guys. 
but Me too. not with this album. This album definitely <laughs> has some substance to <laughs> definitely has going. some substance to the bass. Um, it, it, it might not have some bass. Uh, oh, well, it does. Sorry. Sorry. I'm reading from my notes here. Uh, this, <laughs> it's all chicken scratch. This album might have some bass that follows the guitar parts, right? Like metal music does sometime or, you know, other types of music. Um, mm-hmm. but it's there to accent the really raucous parts of the song. And that's not all it does throughout the album, right? There are parts where there are some unique parts where it only features some really cool bass riffs, right? Like escalator shrine at the beginning. Right. Oh my um, gosh. Yeah. And, and I want to say the tone of the bass oh reminds me a yeah. lot of Chris Squire and Getty. Well, he uses a pick. Yes. And I was going to say yeah. that you can tell there's a punchy, yeah. there's a high attack and you can definitely tell some scraping going on. There is a pick, not a finger plucking the strings. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's not as flashy. I mean, his bass playing is not as flashy as Getty Lee or Chris Squire, but he's definitely a no, really yeah. good bass player. You can tell like he features his talent a lot. And I appreciate that. Um, he makes it so that the parts are interesting, but not overshadowing the other elements of the music. Again, just yeah. kind of going back to that concept of balance. Um, yeah. So everything, everything is pretty pleasantly varied mm-hmm. and, and instrumentally speaking, but like also in terms term. of the pleasantly varied. Yeah. I like that. Pleasantly varied instrumentally speaking, but also, but also in terms of the mood, it's, it's also quite diverse album too. I mean, there's, I, I think there's some pretty melancholic songs, but also fun, heavy ones. Um, some others that are just kind of mysterious, at least in my opinion, but it, but, but that's the thing. It, it never feels like a mixed bag either. Everything fits in balance. And when there, when a different mood does kick in, it just comes in at a really good time. Yeah. And, and especially, especially the, tr- the, the track listing on the record too, is just, is perfect. Like it, it's, uh, I don't, I don't know how, how else to describe it. It's just whenever, whenever I'm ready for something else, it, it comes right in. Yeah. Yeah. You know? No, uh, I, I like how long they jam. I, for whatever reason, they are Dude. long jam sometimes, yes. but it's not, it's not boring because yes. they either drift into another riff or another mood, or there's something there that is still engaging. There's yeah. always something where it's not losing my attention. And then right at, at the perfect time, the vocals might come back in or yep. a different riff might be played or a different mood kicks in. And again, the transitions are just beautiful. So, uh, yeah, I never felt bored listening to this, mm-hmm. uh, which is, uh, yeah, you know, not yeah, always it, the case. It, it, a lot of times you just feel like, oh, this jam's going on too long. And, you know, prog rock does have a lot of jam sections, parts where mm-hmm. people just you know, play on this one chord or this one riff and they keep going and going. And they, you know, kind of yeah. like jazz where you'll just have like, okay, done with the piano solo. Now we're going to the upright bass solo. Okay, now we're going to the sax solo, but they're still playing the exact same chord progression. Yeah. You know, the same mood. Is yeah. captured even if they're putting different flourishes uh, as many ma- amazing jazz musicians do, um, but it's still the same mood. Well, with this, they they can change the mood or they can keep it, but but they add a lot to it. And it's just um, I don't know. It's it's great. Yeah, I like I, that's one of the things that I really noticed um, with their jams uh, that I really really liked too is that it was, and you're right with they're just not afraid to jam on a section without a bunch of solos, right. you know, like they, they would have, and I honestly, and me personally, I hear that more on the next album after this one called love fear and the time machine. There's a bunch of songs on there where it's just like, they literally are just all playing the same thing for like a minute. And they'll add, they'll add, it kind of reminds me of a, of eclipse from dark side. It's just like, we're going to keep playing the same thing. Just add new things like every bar or every, you know, every stanza of lyrics or whatever. Um, but they'll right, have, right. they'll have their own just instrumental sections. And, um, and it's, it's pretty tame from a perspective of like, you know, technicality and all the crazy solos and stuff like that, but it's just smooth. And um, yeah, as opposed, as opposed to something like, um, like uh, Stephen Wilson's solo material. Um, which is, is just kind of jagged. Uh, there's a lot of, a lot of his, even though it's awesome and I love it. Like, um, like the Raven that refused to sing, um, just, mm-hmm. just a couple of songs that I'm thinking of is like the very first track, like luminal or ancestral from hand cannot erase and, and, um, some other stuff that are just really, really just jagged. Um, and they're, and they're awesome, but this is just really smooth. Um, easy listening 
and uh, the jams and the melodies and stuff like that are just great. Yeah, we keep talking about just how how everything is just well balanced and mixed, and I think there's just no well, no right. nothing else to really say other than that when it comes to the musical side right. of the album. And and right, and that's not to say that because it's balanced, it doesn't have a lot of emotion. That's another thing I wanted to, to bring up point. is that yeah. um, this is a very emotional record. Um, I think because of the the tapestry there and the atmosphere that they create with all this music uh, reminds me a lot of Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd is very emotional music, at least for me. And um, oh yeah, see, this might be my yeah. favorite on the record. It's probably the slowest, but I love it. Through our recent days, try to understand how we could forget. Oh, those piano! I love, chords. I love the delay on them too. We made a promise oh. to one another nothing would ever break The reverse again. reverb there too. Yep. Drums slowly fade in. Yep, and they slowly fade no, in perfectly. Just very light on the right yep. symbol. The bass kicks in. That's my favorite part. Here we go. We pretend we're okay. Surrounding ourselves with one way Friendships and so-called friends I, I could keep listening to this. Yeah. I'm just grooving to it, but I'm just going to... i got to pull it down. Yeah, me too. It's very groovy, but it's very melancholic. Here. I know we need a And I don't want yeah. to be there I don't want to be there Where we are We are yeah, it's a beautiful melody. Yeah, and and that's 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 it's that's throughout the entire album with with the vocals at least. Like it's they're all fun to just sing to yeah. and and uh, yeah, it's a very emotional yeah. record. But let's um, let's go I into think. the lyrics of that too because you know yeah. the, uh, um, I have a lot I have a lot of uh, not a lot but I have some quote I have a quote on from Mariusz on the lyrics. Um, and as well as just a well, lot of I, opinions on it. I, I've got my Mariusz quote. So you do the last one. I want to do mine. I want to do mine. Fine. I want to do my Mariusz Whoa. Whoa. Duda. God bless. Quote. That intense, was pretty right? intense. I don't know what that was, but it was intense. Was, I don't know what you're saying. I, just, I heard something. Shoot. I don't know. I don't know I what you said, something. but I heard something. Um, I. <laughs> I want to say uh, initially when I was I was trying to look at these lyrics, uh, and I, I thought I said I, I said that the album title is appropriate because all the songs seem to deal with being a slave to something or someone, technology, our own ego or pride, our own desires. Um, and I said so in a way it's kind of a concept album. You know, it may not have a cohesive narrative or main character, character, but it does have a unifying theme yeah. that is mentioned in every yeah. song. That's what I said at first. And I was wondering, I kept looking at the lyrics and I was like, well, it doesn't explicitly state slave. So maybe I just pulled the trigger and prematurely made that decision. But I don't think I did uh, because uh, there's a quote from Mariusz. Um, here we go. Uh, this is from the reviewer uh, that really enjoyed it and gave it a nine out of 10. Said the whole concept of the album seems really cool and much better than the denunciation of society's current state from like punk bands and their social awareness which is often nothing more than complaining about the system without proposing any kind of a solution. Yeah. On this album, Riverside proposes a much more metaphorical and introspective look at our lives and the unstoppable spiral of madness that is the pace we live our lives at. In Mariusz's own words, this is what he said, it's based on the fact that we all hear almost every day from friends and close people how unhappy they are, how they hate their jobs, how they don't have a time for this, how they don't have time for this or that, how time flies, and how they actually feel like slaves in their lives. I thought it was a good option to write about the kind of unhappiness or, or that kind of unhappiness and this new generation slavery, quote unquote, where people seem to be unable to take control over their own lives. Hmm. So um, that's what Mariusz said. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's um, a lot of this album is also kind of figuring out who you are. And until you do that, you can feel like a slave, like you're serving something or someone, even if you can't identify what that is, yeah. you know, there's a lot of, a, a lot of angst on this, but I agree with the reviewer when he says it's not angsty in kind of a punk way where it's like, well, I just want to complain about yeah. this. Um, it, it's really kind of a desire to know yourself better, to know these problems more and to be able to. I don't know, just placing more emphasis on recognition of these problems 
rather than just wailing and crying about them mm-hmm. and being able to have this sense of connection. I think that was a big thing. That was that, one of the biggest things that, uh, well, like superficiality, at least and we got used to us. That's like a big, uh, uh, I guess, a criticism to uh, superficiality of uh, human interactions that like love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We kept each other at, yeah, yeah. At, at a distance that we could control not too close, not yeah, too far. Yeah, it's like, yeah. And, and it, it's specifically in that song, it's filling a, filling a void with false relationships. And possibly, mm-hmm. and, and, and honestly, uh, I, you know, going to uh, referencing the very first line in the song, referencing social media by using, he uses the word yeah. scroll in the first line of the song. Yep. When I scroll back. Yeah. Yep. No, you're totally right. And uh, I, lo- I love the lyric too in the, in the chorus. We got used to new yep. us. And then I start thinking, well, when, how new are we talking? When did this yeah. start? I, I, right? I always thought- I think a lot of people can connect to these lyrics because there's this sense of detachment. Yeah. It, it, you know, did it happen before social media? Are we blaming it all on social media? When did it really yeah. happen? When did we put on these masks and when did we start feeling disconnected, but at the same time, constantly connected, right? This yeah. paradox. I was, I was, when did, uh, when did that, I love my, my take on that would have been the, I, I always thought that the, just from honestly, from the quote that you said, um, it, it the quote tells me the term slaves, uh, I was thinking the shrine is the internet. That's my take. Uh, I, I thought, you know, shrine to new generation slaves. I think the shrine uh, is the internet. And um, and I think uh, because a lot of just, a lot of the songs that they have, there's a pattern of this, uh, I guess, criticizing contemporary life and consumerist mindset. So I, I think like in, uh, at least in the first song, New Generation Slave, I'm trying to think of the, lyrics but i remember it being it's kind of just centered on the feeling of slavery and lack of purpose derived from contemporary life and work which is kind of goes back to the first quote that you just that you were talking about with marriage but then the self uh the depth of self-delusion carries this general vibe of i guess you could say non-conformism like a a certain cynicism towards contemporary life like uh fleeting relationships and consumerism and stuff like that uh but then but then even uh like with celebrity touch that I've, I love the lyrics of that song. We're not going to listen to it on the show. It was the single that came from the record. It's probably my least favorite on the album. Um, just because kind of the main, and we talked about that, like the main riff of the song just sounds a little too familiar, I guess, but, but the lyrics are, are incredible. It's, it's like, uh, I guess you have, you have two different perspectives in the song. and, And one of them is talking about an obsession with captivating the public eye and, there's a a quote in the song or a lyric in the song is he, he uses the, the term the battle. And I think in that's referring to this, that stance versus stopping all the needless media exposure and having just a sacred private life. Um, and then my personal favorite, it, even continuing on from that is an escalator shrine. He uses the metaphor of people moving by escalator stairs and the shrine being the internet. And, yeah. and what he says in the song, is he said, we, um, uh, what's the line? Uh, we shed our skins. We shed our skins. Mm-hmm. We stand on an escalator. We move forward without any effort required. A shrine of choices because we can be anyone we want to be on the internet. We replace the feeling of love with this disposable, disposable needs. We sold our souls to have these new shiny ones. And we evolved without the need to feel attached to anything or anyone. And we just have our needs. And after they're fulfilled, we get rid of them and forget to just pick a new one because on the internet, we could just move all over the place. And so it's like this overall like modern dissatisfaction with, um, I don't know if the whole thing would be centered on relationships, but it's definitely like modern contemporary life. Yeah. It's a societal criticism, I think, but, but it's done very tastefully. I think. Yeah, Um, no, most definitely. Yeah, it's it doesn't it doesn't sound like that was the thing is like the the theme of the album with the lyrics all kind of you know there there definitely may be a uh, a common theme, but the but the music didn't reflect that either. Like the music still has uh, energy, some fun energy and and stuff like that throughout it. Um, you know, throughout the record and everything, I just didn't think that it uh, sounded depressing. You know what I mean? Right. 
Um, like the album didn't sound depressing to me. It was just the lyrics just had like a content, like a a dark vibe and theme to it. But musically, I didn't think that the lyrics and the music were both dark and just depressing and no hope and all of that. Because I've yeah. heard some pretty like you know just depressing music that just just left you there like, geez, I just don't feel good. Yeah. <laughs> After yeah, listening yeah, to yeah. this. Yeah. Um, I, I like how on on you know Escalator Shrine and also We Got Used to Us, he continuously uses the collective we, right? Yeah. Uh, which gives a sense of, I, I said communal responsibility, communal struggle, uh, communal ignorance, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it reinforces mm. the concept of society being a herd of people. Um, but it also suggests that we're all going through the same challenges at the same time. You know, this sense of not knowing ourselves or changing too much or just all of us going with the masses. Um, and I, I really like that. I think these are very relatable lyrics. I think a lot of people can can really identify with this. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to, to say that. Yeah, and and I like his, that his vocals really help communicate these lyrics a lot. It's a beautiful voice. Yeah, um, to have and and that that can make a big difference. That can make a big difference if you have some great lyrics, but you're not singing them the right way. It just doesn't. It's just not communicated well if it's not sung well in a way that people can digest a lot of the time. That's you one know? thing that about Porcupine Tree that kind of bothered me at certain moments is that a lot of the times you really couldn't hear what the heck Stephen was saying. Hmm. Um, either because either because they were mixed low. Or there's just some kind of crazy effect on it that you really could not hear what he was saying. And I can hear every word that Mario Yersh is singing in this album. Every single right. one. Yeah, well, and it's it's like, it's, you know, that phrase that you hear, it's not what you say, but it's how you say it. That's, yep. uh, that's definitely true. That's absolutely yeah. true. Um, and this is just, yeah, this is communicated well, and this is very strong. I haven't heard it enough to really dissect all the lyrics yet. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I heard uh, one, uh, I guess you could say, take on this. I read it somewhere. I don't remember where exactly, but uh, what might not be understood by Western people is the fact of communists are still being in charge of the countries in the Middle and Eastern European for almost half the century. That means Poland, too, mm -hmm. the guy's home country. And uh, what I do understand is certain, uh, is at least in the depth of self-delusion, Promised Land, Neverland, Neverending Smiles, quote, you know, lyrics from the song are utopic ideals of communism. Right. And uh, some some per, some people had a take on um, not only just being like a consumerist, contemporary life kind of sort of mindset or modern Western living or the capitalist system or whatever, uh, but they were actually, he was specifically talking about communism. Um, I didn't pick out enough throughout the, the whole record to be able to make that assumption, to, or not assumption, but to be able to make that definitive statement that this whole record is on the idea of utopic communism. But right. um, that was a guy's take on it, at least in the depth of self-delusion, at least that song in particular, right. um, which is has a general vibe of nonconformism and stuff like that. Um, but I didn't hear it on, on the rest of the record, but I thought it should be stated um, oh, for just sure. as a thought. Right. I wanted to also bring up the, the fact that uh, this they're Polish, but the lyrics are in English. Yes. And yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I yeah. wanted to bring up the fact that um, not only that, but also the we were fortunate enough to have Isles on the show with us one time, and they're a Chilean progressive rock group. Yeah. They're also in English, and I know we asked them uh, about that too, and I think they said it just seemed more appropriate, it, you know, just sounded better to them. Um, now, I wanted to go back to referencing an episode we did on uh, Jethro Tull. We did Thick as a Brick. And in that episode, Ian Anderson had talked about how uh, progressive rock was kind of an English thing, right? The, I, mm -hmm. I pulled the quote up again. He said, progressive rock is a purely British phenomenon. Yeah. So um, I, I just wanted to th – this, this – the fact that this is in English, in the English language, lends to that ideation. Yes. That e e the English language is – it just fits progressive rock more and maybe that's because it started out that way i mean you know and and so this genre is just fit more towards that that's all oh that, dude but... hold on hold on but you're you're, you're talking oh, the... really good transitions yep and the bass riff here oh and it builds and just yep 
That is, that's excellent. So much flavor, dude. That 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 is one. That's my favorite transition on the album. When it goes from that like, just that arpeggiated soft section that they have at the very beginning of the song to that with all the synths and the building, and it's just I can't I can't fathom. Maybe because I'm just not a keyboard player, but creating that kind of texture with all of those instruments and stuff like that. It takes talent oh, to yeah. do that. It takes talent to oh, do that. Absolutely. And it's absolutely. Anyway, sorry. I, I had to listen to that because it's just... No, no, absolutely. Um, I wanted to also bring up... Uh, I know we're running close on time, but I wanted to bring up the fact that a lot of... Um, well, some some albums. Uh, but some albums end the way they start. I mean, like Pink Floyd, with The Wall, right? It has the same melody at the beginning and the end. It's outside the wall. Yeah. Um, and then Dark Side of the Moon has the heartbeat, right? Um, that seems to give the sense of right crowd another um, animals pigs on the wing right i mean a lot of pink floyd does that and they were kind of masters of the whole concept album thing yeah um but this album ends with with coda um which is a, a small what minute and a half type of, uh yes that, about that about that something like that yeah. which it has the same melody not as the beginning of the album but the middle track and i noticed this and i thought that was interesting because whenever you're at the end of an album and you have like a riff or a melody that comes from a previous part of the album most of the time i associate with the very beginning so that it gives that sense of finality that hey we started with this and we ended with this um dustin i'm just curious this is open-ended there's no right or wrong answer why do you think they did that with the with coda being not from the beginning track but from the middle track feel like falling because that's the melody that they use. It's it's feel like falling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so why do you think they did that? Why they ended with that rather than than the start? You know, ending with something maybe from the beginning. Well, I think that the um, let me let me pull up the the lyrics here of feel like falling because what they use is uh, the the very first stanza. Okay. You are timed. You are timed on this answer. Um, God so. bless. Uh, one thing one thing I noticed is that in, in Coda, and we're going to listen to it because we're going to end the album with the uh, the monster escalator sh- escalator shrine track. And then I'm going to tag along Coda with it for everybody to hear at the very end of the episode, which is my favorite song on the record, hands down. Coda's your favorite? No, 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 no. Escalator Shrine. Oh, oh, I was- yeah. Coda, Coda's really awesome. But um, let me look at the uh, so the the very first stanza. Feel like falling. Uh, Day outside grows black. I lie face up in my shell. Squeeze my eyes and shut. Squeeze my eyes shut and feel like falling into blank space. And uh, something that I noticed as well as in Coda what they use at the very end and they says night outside grows white i lie face up in my shell squeeze my eyes shut feel like falling into blank space um i don't know i i think the maybe the possible i don't don't think it has anything to do with the um uh you know being intent or being intentional about just i think i think it was really just based off of the lyrics because i believe that that um uh, stanza or that that those sets of lyrics ha- could have a double meaning to them and sure. i'm not sure if one of them is optimistic or pessimistic um i don't know why he changed the lyrics i really don't kn- i really do not know um why uh they, they decided to use it but he also goes but also in the coda he goes uh yeah wanted to be your light illuminate your smiles wanted to be your cure bridge between self and us wanted to be your prayer wipe the tears from your eyes um but I turned my back and I think that's how the coda ends. And I don't know. Um, I, my, my first thought on it was just to think that maybe feel like falling, at least the lyrics here, what they used in coda could have a double meaning. And honestly, it kind of sounds a little bit more optimistic. Um, Right. Or maybe just like a final thought, but I really didn't have not really dug into it's a it's pretty. I love it, uh, and it, and it's very interesting too because they very well could have ended the album with Escalator Shrine because the very end of that album or the very end of that song has this raucous eleven four just rock riff that is mm-hmm. it just pounds you in the chest, and they very well could have ended on a high note, but they, instead they decided to bring in this little this very um, beautiful acoustic guitar riff um with those lyrics on it 
I don't. I really don't know why they did that. I don't know if if uh, if it was supposed to be a sense of hope after all of this criticism from Mariush, um, or if it was supposed to be. Um, I, I really have no idea, man. I, what, what what about you? Did you did you have any any reason or any any sense to believe why why they why you did that? No. Um, the more you're talking about it, maybe maybe they did want to end it on a sense of optimism, since you know ending it with night outside goes white instead you know usually that's a symbol of purity and the daytime is associated with happiness and growth and rebirth and everything you know the sun rising you know there is a tomorrow there's another chance so maybe that's kind of what it what it was he wanted to to reiterate that but um also i guess he didn't start at the beginning because the beginning is just is not a chill way to end the album that's a I, I that's no, the way yeah, I, yeah. new generation right, slave is uh, down, very down. you know it's very aggressive you know it's it's pretty intense it's pretty cool and um yeah we feel like falling was just the best melody that ended it i'm glad the they did end it that way because coda is a beautiful i mean it's only a minute and a half but it's beautiful and i'm glad it recalls something yeah. earlier but it's a very different take on it you know because feel like falling yeah. has those very in your face synths um yeah you know and those you know the mm-hmm. i don't know if it's an envelope filter or whatever on the the guitar bass but the wow 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 and then this is just yeah. much more relaxed and it it has a contemplative feel to it um after such a big epic um escalator shrine and you had yeah. mentioned this while we were talking previously that they easily could have ended this record with escalator shrine that big finish right this big awesome oh, yeah. jam out at the end and then it ends and you're like whoa that's such an awesome way to end it they built it up they yeah. they broke it back down and that's amazing and it could have ended that way i agree with you and i'm glad it didn't though the tiny minute and a half mm-hmm. that coda is was the perfect icing on the cake and yeah. it's just it's it kind of gives a sense of it still gives that sense of completion even though you know it didn't it's recalling something from earlier from the album um yeah i know it's not the beginning yeah. song or anything but uh-oh. Yeah. One thing I know about Mariusz's lyrics, especially um, even on previous album, previous albums, um, as well as uh, if, if you're a fan of uh, Mariusz's voice, highly recommend checking out uh, a band, quote I guess you could call it, called Lunatic Soul, which is a uh, side project by Mariusz. And it's a different different style of music. It's, it's him because Mariusz is a multi-instrumentalist. Um, but a lot of Lunatic Soul's lyrics, uh, the lyrics in Lunatic Souls discography and as well as previous albums, uh, Mariusz does reference a lot of afterlife, a lot of spiritual stuff um, in, on his, in his lyrics. And, uh, and this album was a little bit different. Uh, but uh, as, as you were talking about maybe the reason why, uh, you know, you said Night Outside Grows White and, uh, you know, um, Sense of Purity, I was, the first thing I thought of was just uh, maybe something a little bit more spiritual uh, might be referencing uh, something spiritual in the way that he was wanting to uh, portray this or, you know, the, the way that they wanted to end it. I don't know. Um, I have, I have no idea, but I just know that that's something in the past that, um, that he's, that's been a common theme in some of the lyrics. Um, I would highly recommend checking out lunatic soul too, especially if you like Mariusz's voice because um, he's still there, of course. Right. But, uh, but yeah. Yeah. Well, well. so, well, this has been, been good. a really cool album to listen to. Yeah. Highly recommend it. Yeah. Um, I give it, I give it, I mean, a nine out of 10 for me personally, just because I love, I love all of it. I, I, I couldn't say that it's, it's not, it's not flawless in my opinion, but um, it's certainly enjoyable from beginning to end. Right. Well, you, uh, you used to ask all the time, we haven't done it in a while, uh, why someone should yeah. listen to this. And because, well, I, the, the simple answer is we, we told you to, I mean, that's, Oh, yeah, it's pretty bad. My, okay. That's pretty bad. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> that's pretty bad. No, um, to answer that question seriously though, it's been a while since we asked it, uh, why should someone listen to this? Uh, um, I'm going to question myself and then answer that. Isn't that the most annoying thing ever? Um, sure. Sure. Whoa. Um, yep. No, I, I think we mentioned it earlier. It's a balanced record and the melodies are great. Um, I think that this is because his voice is accessible and because the melodies of the other instruments are pretty enjoyable. They're pretty fun and energetic at times. And yet they they mellow out at some points too. There's a lot in here for people to enjoy. Even if you don't love progressive rock, 
maybe the links, if, if you're someone who doesn't like progressive rock, um, then maybe the song links. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even, maybe I wouldn't even think of this. I wouldn't even think of this album as, as uh, I, w- I would go into this album just thinking that you're just going to listen to a rock record. Right. Right. Yeah. Th- maybe the lengths of the songs, if you're someone who's not used to listening to longer pieces of rock music might, might turn you off a little bit, but if you open your mind to it um, and enjoy it, there, there's a lot in here that is, is yeah, really enjoyable. It's a, and it's a good, yeah. like I mentioned earlier, it's, it's irrefutably prog. Um, but uh like you said, you don't have to go into it with that mindset either. It's pretty accessible. Yeah. This is a pretty accessible album, I think. And uh, it's it's yeah. strong. It's a strong record. I love this. Awesome. Well, we would both like to thank you guys so much for listening to our podcast. These are our prog notes. If you enjoyed the episode, learn something new from the episode, please subscribe and share. You can also follow us on Instagram at prog underscore notes. You can also email us at prognotespodcast at gmail.com. Whoa! We, whoa! <laughs> yeah. Whoa! We, we appreciate com. all feedback and or comments. Also, leave us a review if you liked or disliked the show. Drew, what is the next episode's album we'll be listening to? Oh, my word. I can't. I can't. I know, I can't I'm not stand, continuing that. I can't stand I'm that. stamping that what, out right what's now. What's next? What's the next record we're doing? Uh, it is another King Crimson record. It will be Discipline. Ooh, yes. Discipline by oh, King Crimson. Yeah. The comeback record. Yeah. It's fantastic. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Also, to everyone who's been listening, uh, once again, we, we always love to say thank you. Really appreciate you. We are extremely close to reaching 10,000 listeners on Prognos. Yay! Yes. Yes. Excellent. Thank you guys so much. We are like 300 people away from reaching 10,000 listeners on our episodes. Stop clapping. Dear God, stop clapping. Just thinking of like Michael Scott. No! No! God, no! Please, no! Man, it's unreal. But yes, if you guys could please share the episode. We'll be posting a uh, just a little snippet of the episode on our Instagram. If you could go in and please share that, that'd be awesome. We would love to reach 10,000 listeners. That would be phenomenal. So join us next time as we discover the past, present, future prog rock. See you guys next time. Thanks.